This is a download from Ormskirk Christadelphians of one of our Sunday afternoon talks. For more downloads, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk or join us in person at our meeting room on Moorgate in Ormskirk every Sunday at 1.45pm. We hope you enjoy the talk. Many times from this platform and pretty much at every Christadelphian ecclesia in this country and also around the world, you will hear time and again us talking about the wonder of the coming kingdom of God and how that that will be established here on this earth in a real sense. It's something that we talk about time and time again and hopefully that gives an idea of just how important it is to us, how central it is to our faith. Now I suppose a question that might be asked is, well do we need to have any detailed understanding of this kingdom as long as we believe it's going to happen? You know, as long as we think, oh, well, it's a nice place to be, so yes, we want to be there. Is, is that sufficient? Well, I think the Bible makes it quite plain that it's not. That we need to have more. And not just, for a, you know, just because of the knowledge side of things, but because it will help us in our walk. Life is difficult. Life is hard. And it's sometimes when we've got a, a goal to go towards, a goal to, that we can set our eyes on, that can motivate us to help us through those difficult times. And that's what the Bible tells us. A very brief part of one of the Proverbs tells us where there is no vision the people perish. So we need to have a vision, a clear vision of that kingdom to come, to motivate us, to encourage us in the, you know, in the life to come. So it is important to know something about it. Can we know it in absolute detail? The answer is no. And hopefully as we, we go through this, you know, this afternoon we'll see why. In the Bible, our life now is described as a walk. It's a walk or a run or a race, and we have a choice to make. There are two paths open to us. One is a difficult and narrow way that leads to the kingdom of God and eternal life. And there's one that leads to death, but it's so easy we could follow it in our sleep. In the English language, we have a phrase, as easy as falling off a log. We, we just use that to describe something that's so easy, anybody can do it. Because gravity is doing the work. You just don't resist it. That's the life we live if we follow our own desires. That's the, the path that leads to death. So we have to choose the hard way if we want to have that hope of the life to come. And that means a choosing each and every day of our life. Every moment. And that's why we need the strength of that vision of the kingdom to come. The wonder of it to help us get through the days to come. And even Jesus, even the Lord Jesus Christ, throughout his life, and he had a lot of difficulties to face, he had a lot of opposition, a lot of people were openly hostile to his face, and at the very end he suffered a very cruel and painful death. And yet, in the letter to the Hebrews, we read these few words. It says, you know, Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross. So the joy of that vision of the kingdom to come, that joy of what God had planned for this earth, is what kept Jesus going, even while he was suffering probably one of the most painful ways to die that man has ever invented. So the important thing is to fix our eyes on that, and not on the things of this world, because there are very many nice things in this world. The shops and the, the advertisers are constantly telling us that these wonderful holidays and there's these wonderful things that can make our life so nice and so lovely. 
that they can take us away. But what the Bible offers us, and if we look into the word of God, at what God tells us about his kingdom, we see that it is so far beyond anything this world can offer, that the joys and the happiness that man looks to, that this world offers for, for a price usually, are minuscule. They're nothing in comparison to the joy and the wonder of what's to come. And we should feel privileged that the one true living God has in his word, the Bible, laid out for us what he has planned for this world. In Psalm 145, we read these words from verse 10. All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom. So God, through his word, through his prophets, has given us an image, a picture of what that kingdom will be. And we can talk about it. That's a privilege that we have. And we read this in, in the book of Amos in chapter 3. Surely the Lord God will do nothing, but he revealeth his secret unto the servant, his servants, the prophets. So we have this hope and this you know, window into the future. We can see what the world is to come. And many people in the world are trying to predict how the world is. And with the economic situation in the world, man is trying to predict what's going to happen and usually getting it completely wrong. And yet... God is offering to us in his word a clear, sure vision of what's going to happen. So we're thinking this evening about a time for peace in the kingdom. That aspect of God's kingdom. So the question has to be asked, well, what is peace? What do we understand by the word peace? Do we have peace now? I think just looking at the news, even for a few moments, would dispel that. There are, I suspect there's no corner of this globe where we could actually describe there being peace. But what do we mean by peace? I suspect if we ask most people, they'd probably define it by the opposite of peace. What they think of as being as the opposite of that word. So they'd be thinking about war, of fighting, of conflict. And certainly that's part of it, but it's, it's, it's not all of it. Just to sort of bring things up to date in terms of a reference, um, from if you go onto Wikipedia and, and put in the word peace, um, the, the, uh, the uh, reference you get out of it, uh, the def definition is, peace is an occurrence of harmony characterised by lack of violence, conflict behaviours and the freedom from fear of violence. Commonly understood as the absence of hostility and retribution, peace also suggests sincere attempts at reconciliation. So that's the idea that, that the world has about what peace is. Now many in today's world would actually blame religion for war and a lack of peace. They would point the finger and say, ah, if we didn't have religion, the world would be at peace. Uh, Richard Dawkins, a very strong uh, opponent of religion and a strong supporter of uh, you know, Darwinism, says religion causes wars by generating certainty. That's a very simplistic uh, assumption, but it certainly fits their aim of, of trying to create in people's minds the idea, the link between the lack of peace and, and religion, trying to diminish you know, a faith in God. But what we have to stop and say is that every war, every conflict that we've ever seen on this earth, apart from maybe those that get recorded here in the Bible, where God has done the judgment and has actually you know, instructed uh, the need for that, uh, that war to occur. Every other war, if we actually look behind the curtain, if we look behind the veil of whatever's being draped over it to make it look better, all we see is human nature. We see the people who started it, it was their greed, it was their anger, it was their hatred, and their lust 
for power and wealth that started it. They may cloak it in religion to make it a more noble thing, but underlying it, they are doing it for their own ends. The kingdom of God, on the other hand, is so much different. It's so much different. God says quite clearly that in the future, the time will come when all of this war and fighting and hatred will cease. So what are the qualities of that peaceful existence in the future? We're looking to God's final part of his plan, the final state that he intends for this earth. This perfection, we read these words in Revelation uh, and chapter 7. And he said to me, These are they which came out of great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, therefore are they before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he that sitteth on the throne shall dwell among them. And this is the point here. It says, And they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. So the Lamb there being the Lord Jesus Christ, the coming King that God has promised. We see there a picture of, for those who are part of that world to come, never hungering anymore. And this is part of peace, because peace is not just about conflict. It's about anything in your life that could stress or worry or harm you. And hunger obviously is one of those. Thirst is one of those. Being burnt by too much sunlight or heat. And being freed from these so that these things no longer have any effect on you anymore. And at the end they're saying all their tears will be wiped away. So no more shedding of tears. No more pain. We also get uh, another uh, sort of example of this in the prophecy of Isaiah in chapter 11. Where we read, the wolf also shall dwell with the lamb. And the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall feed, their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. And the suckling child shall play on the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. They shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain. So we get a very clear imagery there, that these are things that just don't happen now. These are, these are situations that just don't happen now. The wolf and the lamb, leopard, from a natural point, we know that these also have a, a, a relation to the kingdoms around us and to the world, but it's a clear indication that the future that God has in mind for this earth is a peaceful one, is a world at peace, is a world where there is no longer a need for conflict, there's no, no longer even the desire or the, the want, the impulse to go down the route of of conflict or anger. And there is no fear. There's no fear from anything. This is the world that God offers to us and how that contrasts with the world we have now where at every step we're constantly worrying, thinking about where the next harm might come to us, either personally in our own lives or where the world's going uh, and how the world is going. We see the images from different parts of the world and it pains us to our heart to see the suffering that is endured by the world. But what the Bible tells us is quite clear. This time that we're going through now will come to an end. And one day this perfect example of peace will exist. It will be in place. But as I say, peace is not more than just an absence of war. If we think about it, things like physical and mental illness or impairment, these can cause us a lack of peace. They can be 
hard and make life difficult. But again, the prophet Isaiah gives us another description. We had it there in our opening reading in Isaiah chapter 35. The eyes of the blind shall be opened and ears of the deaf unstopped. Then shall the lame mind leap like the deer and the tongue of the mute sing for joy. For waters shall break forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. The burning sand shall become a pool and the thirsty ground springs of water. And in verse 10 we read, And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing. Everlasting joy shall be upon their heads. They shall obtain gladness and joy and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. This is the future that God holds out to each and every one of us. That we can be amongst those going to Zion, going up to Jerusalem, singing with everlasting joy in our hearts. Never ending. And all the sorrow that we have in our lives. The sorrow that is just part of being human. Because we all are born, we live and we die. But we also lose those, the ones we love, through various means. And all that we have eventually rots and corrupts away. But God is offering to us something that will never rot or go away. Ignorance also is something that can cause us stress. Not knowing, not understanding what's happening to us. And we know that there are, this, is, this in itself has led to conflicts where people have done things out of ignorance because they've heard a rumour and they've acted on it because they're ignorant of the truth. But the Bible tells us quite clearly that this is not going to be the case in this world to come. In the book of Habakkuk, uh, in chapter 2 and verse 14, we get this, this saying. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. A sea is completely covered. If it's a sea, it has water covering its every square inch. And that is the situation that will be. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord, that knowledge of God will be present everywhere on this earth. There will be nobody who will be say, able to say that they were ign- they're ignorant or they don't know about the salvation that God offers. That is coming. You know, that the, the, the world will have knowledge all the way around it. There won't be any ignorance left in the world. So that source of lack of peace, that thing that can disturb us will be gone and we will be at peace we'll also have certainty and certainty certainly does bring us to comfort and security and peace (coughs) the Bible tells us that God's kingdom on earth will last forever that there will be no end to it now this is sometimes very difficult for us as humans to understand because things like eternity and forever are just something we can't comprehend Generally, we can only understand those things we can put a limit on. You know, something's big if we can put, say, oh, it's as big compared to a size skyscraper, or we, we can put a scale on it. The problem with eternity is our brains just aren't really set up for it at the moment. And therefore, we'll ne- we won't have a true understanding of the kingdom until we're there, and we, we're changed so that we can. But we read these words in the book of Micah, in chapter 4, verse 7. The Lord shall reign over them in Mount Zion from that day... And forever. So God will reign over this earth forever. There won't be an end to this kingdom. And now there have been many human kingdoms that have set themselves up and said, We are going to last for a thousand years. We are going to establish a kingdom that's going, a nation, an empire that's going to last forever. And usually by the time they're saying that, the seeds of their destruction are already present and visible. Uh, None of them have managed it, even the mighty Roman Empire. Even that had its day and came to an end. (coughs) But God's kingdom never shall. 
So we've seen a picture of that eternity to come. A time when we have total peace. When there is no stress in the world. For those who have been given a place in that kingdom. <coughs> and that is what we obviously want to strive for. But we also know that there will be a time. An intervening time between where we are now. The world we see around us. And that eternal kingdom to come. We know that the, you know, the Bible tells us. That there will be a period of time. When Jesus will have returned to this earth, will have called out a, a, a select group, will have judged and selected a group of individuals who will have been given immortality. But the earth at that time will still mostly be populated with mortal humans alongside those who have been given that immortality. But even in that intervening period we can see a level of peace across the whole globe never recorded in human history. Now, once Jesus returns, the Bible makes it quite plain. It's going to take time for these things to adjust, for people to adjust to this new way. When you think of how the world is so centered on making money and you know, sort of building and gaining more toys and more things and filling their lives with things, that the way of God is going to come as a shock to them. And it will take time for them to adjust. But they will see the benefits of the life with Jesus as their king ruling from Jerusalem. And it will take many years for this refreshing of the earth's people to, to occur before God's program is complete and the eternity of peace begins. Now this will be a very real world. You know, the Bible makes it quite plain. This is not some uh, sort of nice story. This is a very real world. People by those who've survived the turmoil preceding and accompanying Jesus' return, they will have to come to accept Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, as a world ruler, who for the first time in the whole of civilization will rule for the good of the people, but is prepared to rule with a rod of iron. We read of that sort of in our opening reading. But the mortal nations around will still have their own characteristics and cultures, their own racial backgrounds. Now those who were faithful at the time of the Lord Jesus' return, which can be us, who were granted that immortality to assist the Lord Jesus in that time, will, their point of that will be to bring about peace, that spreading of the knowledge of God around the world and bringing of peace. The ability to speak to anybody in their own language, so that there is no more confusion. The confusion that with the Bible tells us came in at the time of Babel in Genesis chapter 11. How many times have has a lack of understanding due to language conflicts caused wars and conflicts and misunderstandings over the centuries. And yet these individuals going out assisting Jesus will have the ability to talk to each people in their own language. And so will have the ability to put across clearly God's word without any confusion in Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 4 we read these words and he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks nations shall not lift up sword against nation neither shall they learn war anymore now that is so different from today when you think of how much money and time and effort is spent on making ever new and more deadly weapons 
ever bigger and more powerful aircraft and uh, yeah, sort of ships and all the weapons of war and so much time and effort is spent on that and when you think of how many in the world are starving how much of the world languishes because it isn't being properly managed here we see that in this time to come when Jesus returns that that's going to change the focus of the world's efforts is going to move to a peaceful way of living to turning away from all the thoughts of violence and just to producing food because that's what we were when we just talked about you know sort of beating spears into pruning hooks and turning weapons of war into instruments to actually till the earth to actually produce food what you know what we actually really do need we don't need weapons of war we do need food and that's the world that's been laid out for us now another aspect of this time to come will be that of justice in the world today we see so many things that undermine the peaceful coexistence of people and these are things that are basic to our human nature and no ideology that man has put forward whether it's capitalism whether it's communism or even the tyranny of dictators no matter how much power they think they've had none of them have been able to handle this and that is the innate forces of greed and corruption and subversion and bribery and lust for personal power that are present in all humans they're part of our nature no system that man has come along has been able to overcome them but that's going to change there will be true justice there will be justice for the underprivileged the poor there will be a fair treatment we read this also in the prophecy of Isaiah chapter 11 and 3 and verse 3 and 4 he Jesus shall not judge by the sight of his eyes nor decide by the hearing of his ears but with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth he shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of the, his lips he shall slay the wicked the judgment that comes in this time with God will be true and righteous and righteous meaning that it will be absolutely perfect because these are judges who will be able to look into the hearts of man and know exactly what people have done and this will over time change the way people think we'll get to the point where, that we read of in Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 3 where we read and many people not all but many people shall go and say come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord to the house of the God of Jacob and he will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his paths for out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem and also in Isaiah we get this phrase in Isaiah 32 and verse 1 behold a king shall reign in righteousness and princes shall rule in judgment. So the whole of society, the whole balance of society will change. It will no longer be one law for the rich and the powerful who can afford the lawyers, who can afford their defence, and one rule for the poor. There will be true righteous judgment for all. And I think it's important to know that the princes shall rule in judgment. We can be those princes. God offers that to us now. If we serve God now, before his son's return, we have a hope of being a part of God's service, serving God and serving Jesus throughout that time. Now how will, we, how will this affect the lives of people? How, how will this change in the world order affect people? When they realize that those who are judging them are not fallible like them, that they can actually look through them, and that the punishment always fits the crime, 
then I think the majority will very quickly see and learn that loving one's neighbour as yourself, showing those characteristics, honesty and truth in their lives, that in itself will lead to a happy and prosperous life. That's what they will quickly learn. It means that families, neighbours, living in harmony with each other, and a release from the tensions that we see in the world. We read this also in Isaiah chapter 32. The work of righteousness will be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. This is what will happen in this time. We also get the picture of good health. So in this time when the Lord Jesus is ruling over the earth, that gradual transition until the end of that time, we see that the health of the individuals living in this time will be different as well. Going back to Isaiah, and this time is yeah, chapter 65 of Isaiah and the 20th verse. Here we read, There shall be no more thence an infant of days, nor an old man that hath not filled his days, for the child shall die an hundred years old. So what's this passage telling us? Well, what, are we, what have we been told? This suggests that infant mortality will be wiped out. Something, unfortunately, I mean, in this country, it's, it's a rarity. But in, certainly in many parts of the world, the developing parts of the world, infant mortality still results in a horrendous toll. And yet, here we see that in this time, that will be wiped out. No one will ever more mourn the loss of a child in their, in, the, in their early days. And it indicates that if somebody reaches the age of 100, they'll still be counted as a child. So we see a longer life being promised in this time. A, life, a longer life of peace. In this day and age, with all the suffering and the misery, there are many people who would say, well, they don't want a longer life in this world as it is at the moment. Well... This is a very different world, a world where we do want to be. And we also see that being a child will be a joy. And being in old age won't be a disgrace, it won't be a, a time of hardship. But we get this in Zechariah in chapter 8, starting at verse 4. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, there shall yet old men and old women dwell in the streets of Jerusalem, and every man with his staff in his hand for very age. And the streets of the city shall be full of boys and girls playing in the streets thereof. So we get the fact that there will be those of very, very old age, but living in dignity and living in comfort in that time. And also children running and playing and having a, a joyous childhood, which is what childhood should be, a joy. And unfortunately for so many of the children in the world we have today, childhood is, they, they don't have a childhood. Unfortunately it's snatched away from them, it's taken away from them. So when people in this world turn to God's divine standards and follow after his ways, we can see that at that time the diseases that, you know, sort of, you know, bring our lives down now. So in the West, things like cancer and heart disease, these are things that will disappear. We read in that opening reading of Isaiah, then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame man shall leap, leap as a heart and the tongue of the dumb sing. So all the physical ailments that we suffer today and that bring so much misery and lack of peace will be done away with. 
in today's society, it's the sad thing to say that, well, it, it, it almost goes without saying that we live in a very unequal world. That even today, there are people starving and thirsty and lacking in the basic necessities of life. And yet, there are other people in the world who have far more than they could spend in their entire lives. They have more money and more wealth than they could spend, even if they tried in, in hundreds of years. Why is it that we have that situation when we know that the earth is producing more than enough food to feed everybody? Well, it's politics. People, people's lives are played politics with. And inefficiency, corruption and war prevent the fair distribution across the earth. There are many people who would like to stop famines, like to stop poverty. But there's always barriers in the way. People always put barriers in the way because it doesn't suit one nation to, to join in and work together with another. There's always wanting their own way, never willing to just work together for the benefit of all. And we know that the resources to feed all these people have been there since God created this earth. But we know that this won't be the case when Jesus returns. Jesus was a great organiser as well as a great teacher. We know that you know, he fed thousands of people from, in a miraculous way from a small, tiny amount of food. He was able to feed them. He filled, filled, feed, fed them in well-organized groups of 50 and 100. And he did that with just a dozen assistants. Now when we think about God's you know, kingdom to come with Jesus as king, and he has many more assistants, how will he not, you know, he will, he will be able to go throughout the earth and make sure that those struggling to find enough food for their families will find it. <coughs> the Bible talks about this, about the world to come when food shall be plentiful everywhere, even in places that at the moment it's not. We get references like this. So King David in Psalm 72 said these words, There shall be a handful of corn in the earth upon the top of the mountains. The fruit thereof shall shake like Lebanon. <laughs> And they of the city shall flourish like the grass of the earth. So you don't grow things on the top of mountains at the moment. And the idea of shaking like Lebanon. Lebanon's cedars were meant to be great and magnificent. And, and you know, there, was, there was so much of it. The idea that these places that so far have not produced. Can and will produce in this kingdom. And just going on into Joel chapter 3 and verse 18. And it shall come to pass in that day that the mountains shall drop down you know, you know, drop down new wine and the hills shall flow with milk and all the rivers of Judah shall flow with waters so we see the farmers crops being abundant wherever they are and in Zechariah in chapter 8 we get this for the seed shall be prosperous the vine shall give her fruit and the ground shall give her increase and the heavens shall give their dew we see a time of peace we see a time of plenty so that nobody has to go hungry. Nobody has to go without. So different from the time we have now. But that time period when Jesus is king over this earth, there will be a limit to that. Eventually an end to that time will come. There will be the second judgment. And then only those who have been granted eternal life will continue in that peace, in that wonderful peace, of that eternal peace in the kingdom to come. So, 
is it only peace for the future? Is, there, is it nothing that we can have now? We've seen that, yes, there'll be the perfect peace in the, in the eventual kingdom, the eventual state that God wants, and in, the, in that intervening period that Jesus will bring a level of peace the world has never known. But can we have any peace now? Does God bring us peace now? Well, the answer is yes. In Philippians, the letter to the Philippians in chapter 4, verse 7, we read this. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So we can have, we can have peace now. Not necessarily in our lives, but in our hearts, in our minds. We can see that at the moment we can have a taste. We can have a, a, a mere shadow of the joy and the peace that is to come, both in that intervening period and eventually perfectly in that kingdom to come. We can't have peace in our lives because we're, we're subject to all the stresses and problems of the world. But we can have peace in our minds, that we can have that joy because we know that God loves us. He tells us that time and time again in the Bible. He wants us to have that peace and joy in the kingdom. The question for us is, do we want to let this marvellous future peace slip away from us? If we don't, then we have to make that choice. And if we make that choice, we do have that full hope of peace to come. We hope you enjoyed that talk. For more downloads, information about what we believe, and details of our meeting times, go to our website, ormskirkchristadelphians.org.uk. Mm-hmm.